Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed N and our special guest and fearless leader, Alu, visiting us from New Hampshire. Good afternoon, folks. Hey, everybody. Uh, Alu, since you're a guest, I'll give you first shot. Biggest story of the week. Uh, I think the continuing bank run. Um, I mean, that's the biggest thing, I think. A lot of people have been mentioning this. I know Ed Maslich has been calling about it. CBDC probably precipitated by a big bank run and hyperinflation for years, two, three years on the show, because we are ahead of the curve. Um, but a few people, I, I think this show and a few others have mentioned the last few weeks that the the banking crisis right now, for those who don't know, three big banks failed, uh, Silvergate, Signature, and Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank being the second biggest bank to ever fail in history and, and the, the biggest, uh, sharpest decline as far as how fast it was. So this was among the biggest, bigger than 2008 in some ways. Um, and it's three banks and another 186 are apparently more insolvent according to some. Um, so so a lot of the banks are failing. Ed Maslisch has probably explained the uh, mortgage maturity mismatch that I'm sure he could explain again better than I could. Um, but but I think it's, it's happening and stuff's hitting the fan. And um, we're going to see that and hyperinflation and a lot of other issues. But the big story is the distractions. They're saying, is Trump going to be arrested? Yes, no, who cares? Is DeSantis going to extradite him? Does he care or not? And we have balloons from China and Russia and Ukraine and who knows what else is going on. And all of these other stuff, I think, are a lot of distractions because I think the main primary focal point that we should be thinking about is the banking because Trump getting arrested or not really doesn't affect me at all, like pretty much zero. Um, I could argue both sides of that issue and a lot of other issues. But the banking crisis, like I actually went to Bank of America to withdraw 200 bucks and the ATM didn't work. I don't know if it was a coincidence, but it was my first time. But there, you know, there's lines and everything, and there's a lot of big issues happening. Um, and once they say, look, the private banks, private banks couldn't um, be responsible enough to hold our money, and they had no reserve requirement, which we know the federal government did. Trump with Corona fascism got rid of the whole requirement at all for reserves. Um, they're going to say the privates can't manage it. So the federal government, the Federal Reserve has to manage every all money directly, make it a totally digital currency instead of essentially digital now, practically speaking, but make it pure CBDC, central bank digital currency, make it mandatory, start banning cash. And that will be ushering the new wave of total tyranny, Chinese CCP style surveillance, tyranny, zero privacy that Ed Maslisch and Aaron Day have been warning about for years. Okay. Ed P.? Yeah, there's an interesting uh, article I sent around um, by uh, Curtis Yarvin that talks about the whole thing. He thinks that uh, eventually, in fact, it will be, um, you know, centralized into a single one Fed bank or completely socialized. But the other thing that he mentioned was um, that the regulations they're imposing are are intended to debank all um crypto dollar exchanges so um anybody who engages in um transferring crypto to dollars or dollars to crypto uh, will not be able to um find a bank to do business with and um i think he his point was that this could very well end all of crypto that is, it, crypto will still exist, but since you can't transfer it into dollars, and, and generally speaking, you can't uh, buy or sell things with it, um, it, 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 the value will go to zero. 
That's his thought. You know, I've been arguing the last few weeks when we had Aaron Day on, and he knows a lot about crypto. And I keep asking that question. Why do we think, why does anybody think crypto is guaranteed to not be destructible by the government? And I never get a great answer. They just say, no, it's the way it's private and the way it's, I don't know, not in the same loop, whatever you want to call it, that they yeah. can kill it. And I've always thought they could find ways to kill it. And that article, which I read, seemed to say, sure, just make it not convertible. So is there any argument against that? What protects crypto? Well, the cat's out of the bag now, um, but I agree they're going to try to block all the off-ramps and on-ramps to crypto and back to USD for sure. But the cat's out of the bag, so it, it will be very difficult to stop it, but yeah. Why? I mean, the odd, the odd thing is, is uh, you know, I mean, El Salvador has legalized it as a, as a you know, legal tender, and uh, they have a pretty based president there, but I, I, you know, is there going to be a bank in El Salvador that's going to ex exchange it for dollars? I, I don't know. I think that the answer to your question, Stephen, is that it's, it's potentially the last, um, last place for rebellion. I mean, it's going to be, the, you know, instead of going to a barter economy, it's, it's, you know, miles ahead of what a barter economy would be. Anyone who doesn't want to engage in the, um, in the, you know, whatever the central bank digital currency, you know, the Fed dollar or whatever they call it, uh, is going to need an alternative. And one alternative is precious metals, but precious metals have disadvantages. They can't be transferred electronically. They are bulky. They're not very well divisible. It's hard to get, you know, small units to be able to buy a loaf of bread. Um, crypto would allow for that kind of uh, quasi barter economy, or at least underground barter economy. Of course, the danger is that the Fed is going to set up sting operations to try and put people in jail for doing it, and that's going to be about that's going to be one of the battlegrounds, I think, in the future. And I was having a long talk because because Ala was in and he was showing me how to get a crypto wallet, and I still don't understand much about it. But my question is, you know, how do you get retailers to accept it? And According to my simple understanding, the bigger the retailer, the less likely they would be to want to go near it, just for the accounting nightmare, if nothing else. And I, I and it's easy for the government to just choke off the big guys, you know. One well, but I mean, we're, we're you know, how many times, time. how many times we talked about the need for a, for a parallel economy? I mean, it, it, they're sort of forcing us to confront that possibility. You know, if they if they try and cut off all the exit ramps, as Alu has said. Well, what's our alternative? I mean, then we have no choice but to just do alternative, either do an alternative economy or we're going to be stuck. Well, I think the, control. the easy way to choke it off before it even starts is any business that accepts crypto can't be banking anywhere else. And trust me, nobody's going to go. What all? But it can be done. It'll be done in secret. I mean, it'll a, be a like a few things. Be like I, I do want to talk about drugs. what what choke point Operation Choke Point 2.0 might look like. It would be very easy. It was very similar to the first choke point where they could say any bank or institution, any financial institution that does any involvement at all, any association with um, gold, silver, crypto, anything is going to be punished and incentivize them by saying risk and all that, you know, the, the risk word, the choke point saying they shouldn't associate with them. But, but also I, I want to discuss what I was thinking about earlier today. My dad's been saying for a while, if they just make it a big crime to have crypto or buy or sell or trade with crypto, then that will have a chilling effect on a lot of people using it. They won't want to be a criminal. On the other hand, when you ban something, 
you increase the value because it's more scarce. So would crypto go up um, or would it go down if they ban it or would it depend on the population? Libertarians, once it's banned, it becomes like gold in 1935 after it was banned. It becomes more scarce and valuable, but also less utility. Yeah, I, don't less think people so. I think it's more, I think it's I more think akin to illegal is. drugs, huh? I think it becomes right. valueless. I mean, right now- No, Maslow just said drugs. He's right. Okay. We'll get to drugs in a minute. I have no, I don't want to uh, paraphrase the governor of Florida, but I don't know much about drugs. Um, but New Hampshire, which is a bastion of crypto, and yet is there one major grocery store or one major pharmaceutical, you know, CVS or anything else that's going to let you use crypto? The most you're going to use crypto is in a small neighborhood kind of business, right? Yes, right. stores, I mean, but there, there are point of sale systems they have that a few porcupines have invented that make it easy. But also, you can get um, uh, coupon debit cards, codes, coupon codes with crypto from Dash app. Dash does this, and other cryptos do this. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, whatever.com, .io. Um, there are a lot of ways to do it. So you can only use crypto, but the merchant can accept it as USD. No, but he won't be able to if the government stops that part. That's what I'm saying. All they have to do is say, if you do that, you can have a bank account. Right. But see, Stephen, you're 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 assuming the present context. I mean, if we're in a more Mad Max kind of situation where you don't have, you know, these big, you know, if things fall apart, things fall apart and people are going to need alternatives to the government control. And, you know, it's it's hard to say. It's hard for me to envision exactly how a, a Mad Max situation might uh, might come about or might, you know, might play out. Well, I'm the Debbie Downer here, but if we're moving towards, you know, full on ESG and control, it's quite simple. Con Ed doesn't deal with anybody who only deals with crypto. And that's the end of my crypto. But you won't know it. I mean, it's like, well, how do you stop dealing with someone who deals drugs? You don't know if somebody is dealing drugs. I'm uh, sure you know somebody's dealing drugs. And the way you know somebody's dealing drugs is if they have any cash deposits anywhere, if they're spending cash anywhere, and cash is going to be illegal which is going to put a big hit on the drug thing. So, and I'm all they have to do is say, if you use crypto, you have no access to anything else. And what am I going to give up my gas and electric? I'm going to give up my car lease. It's so easy for them to stop it. The whole point of the central, you know, digital coin will be that they know everything you're spending everywhere. So Ed, I hear what you seem to be saying will be totally off that, that grid. But if you're totally off that grid, then you won't have access to anything. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you can get from your local farm. You could buy a, a chicken and an egg. How many people work off the books today? How many people, how many of these migrants work without a social uh, I, I would, uh, as I said, it, it's like 20% of the economy. It's it's not, um, it's not unreasonable. And I think the, um, you know, I, what I said before, and I, I say again, is I these 20% are not going to meekly uh, go back into the, um, you know, electronic economy. And so something else will emerge as money. I don't know what it is. It might be Bitcoin. I doubt it. Might be. I don't know what it is, but something else right. is going to emerge at money because money is an emergent phenomenon. It's not something you get top down from the government. It's something that the people um, decide upon um, kind of in a distributed fashion. And, and if 20% of the population in the United States is basically not allowed to use the dollar as money anymore, they will find something else. And it, for example, it might very well be the peso. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to be, but um, uh, 
money will emerge from bottom up like it always does. That, that's what I'm saying too. I mean, I think the peso is an interesting possibility uh, or some other foreign currency, but I, I think crypto is a possibility too. I mean, I, I think there'll be a lot of risk on it because if you get caught by a Fed federal agent by the FBI, there's, they're going to put penalties on it the same way that you know drug dealing has got penalties. But um, I, I could see crypto still winning out on that. I, yeah, the thing is, they you know they treat it as a security, and so if the if the price, it, the thing about banning banking of crypto, right, is there's no market for it anymore. So how do you know what the price is? So how do you know if it's this if it's a security? How do you know what your capital gains are? I mean, and by if, the way, um, I remember a thing called Parler, which Dan Bongino now admits you know didn't go so well. How hard was it for them to destroy Parler? Two phone calls, one to Apple, one to Google, and Parler was gone. So if well, it was no AWS, app, it was Amazon that, that really destroyed Yeah, it was mostly it. AWS. But, yeah. but if there's no apps on your phone for crypto, crypto's gone. And that's not- Well, you can you know use it on your computer, but you know, it's really interesting, both Apple and Microsoft, um, you know, have, uh, are, are making their computers, this, this, I'm on an iMac right now, this computer, um, you have to be fairly sophisticated to know how to tell the computer to install apps that aren't approved by Apple. Um, now, it doesn't mean you can't today, but, and Microsoft's the same way with Windows. You have to be pretty, a sophisticated computer person to say, I want to install this app that is not approved by Microsoft. So they, uh, you know, and again, so you use Linux, obviously, right? No, I but for crypto to be used, it has to be used on a phone. You're not lugging your desktop when you go shopping. So the whole point- Yeah, it's mostly phones. Phone yeah. to phone. All you do is close the apps from two app stores and you have very few people left and it's very easy for them to brick your phone just for putting any side load. And I'm surprised they have not yet the Edge. What do you guys think? Why do the elites still allow the Play Store and App Store to have the Edge wallet, a real custodial wallet that I have on my phone? How do they allow that to happen? Why would they ban it before there's a central bank digital currency? Because you have crazy insurrectionists like me out there using it to buy and sell things for crypto every day. They can't have you that. Know, it it, it, it's, it is interesting. I, I don't know the answer to that question. I think that there are a lot of uh, wealthy individuals in the United States who have a big um, footprint of their wealth, you know, and not just the, the Winkle Foss twins uh, who have a lot of their wealth in crypto and banning it without sort of an orderly uh, orderly allowing these wealthy people to get out. Um, I, you know, I mean, who runs the country, right? So you know, Ed, they, they Ed, you bring like up a really interesting point. Um, back before you guys were born in the early 1970s, when I made my first trip to Israel and I was brought up in a very, very conservative law-abiding home where meathead was a dirty word, and you land in Israel and you say you're going to a bank to trade money, at the time, it was the Israeli lira. And people like, you don't get lira in a bank. I will, where do you get it? You get it in the black market. And me being a law-abiding citizen, I'm like, oh my God, that would make me into like a total criminal. I can't do that. 
And then gradually you get more and more involved because everything was on the black market. And then you- Why add, was that? Because in, in Israel- the rates I mean, were did, better? In Israel- Why did you want Lira? That's an interesting- instead No, because of, it was illegal. At the time, it was illegal to use dollars, by the way, which is why Rabin had to resign prime minister. because you. Oh. Could, this is so, really long time ago. Better, this is when they were dinosaurs a better deal in Israel. On the black market, it was much more convenient. But then, and I remember when you would cash a check, it would come back from the Bank of Jordan or something. It was it's a whole complicated thing. But then I asked myself, why does the government allow the black market? And the answer was, Ed Powell, what you just said. It's because that's where all the big money transactions were taking place and the people in the government and the government itself yeah. using it. So that really is an interesting point. It's almost like we need Switzerland. So that, that is an interesting answer to me. Yeah, if you have a government that is essentially uh, fundamentally corrupted, there was a, a, a release this week that showed uh, Biden getting, um, you know, large amounts of uh, money from China, um, and and he's not, you know, he 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 did this quote unquote legally in bank to bank transfers, but there's a lot of corruption that that is, you know, cash in suitcases type of thing. And and the ruling class likes that. So, you know, getting rid of it would be hard. It, they have to manage this. And I, they've done a terrible job so far of managing everything. Um, but it'll be a lot easier if they get rid of all these little banks. Now, I, I would assume they're, they'd go after credit unions because credit unions are kind of the last bastion of local, um, you know, local banks for, you know, small audiences. Did you know there is this, uh, these guys, okay, this, this is a totally different story. So these guys, I don't know, Wisconsin or Minnesota or something like that. And they had this idea, we're going to create a bank and we're going to 100% invest the deposits in treasury bonds at something like four and a half percent. And then what we'll do, it, so it's it's 100% reserve not the fractional reserve, not the zero reserve, not any reserves. Like if you deposit something, we're going to put it in T-bills and it's going to be four and a half percent. And then we're going to give like on a checking account, we're going to give like 4% interest and then we'll skim the other to run the servers. That's the plan. 100% reserve, um, all T-bills, interest bearing checking. And they have been fighting the Fed for years now, apparently four years, um, to be able to get approval for this bank, and it won't be approved. It would be like the safest bank ever, you know, in a in a fiat currency system. What about the bond? But they won't approve that safe. What's that? What What are the bond maturity uh, dates? Uh, yeah, short short term, short term, super short term. Know. Okay. Yeah, given, yeah, super short. Given the pressure that the Fed's put on every bank to buy Treasuries, that's puzzling. Well, they don't want they don't want a. Um, I mean, this bank would outcompete everybody, right? I mean, and, and it, it would be a hundred percent reserve. And the maturity mismatch, you know, obviously, maturity mismatch banks, uh, you know, get deposits which are on demand, so their maturity is like microseconds, and they lend long, like thirty-year loans. So that's the maturity mismatch. This bank would, you know, crush that to like, you know a month or two weeks or a week or whatever the shortest uh, maturity treasuries are. And then so it would it would minimize the maturity mismatch between the deposits and the investment. And then they would skim some uh, to pay for the servers. And then uh, 
pay the rest in interest. And the you know, Fed will know, not let them do it. We all know, like what Alu said kind of in the beginning, is they blame this all on capitalism when we have none. We have no private markets, but they'll blame the bank failures on the failed system of private markets and capitalism. You can't open a bank. Remember in the 2012 debates between uh, Mitt Romney and um, Barack Obama. Now, right, Mitt were Romney, they on different course, sides? It, yeah, exactly. Now, they're, they're both horrible people, but um, Mitt Romney said something about banking and, and, uh, and Barack Obama said, what, would you like people to start banks in their garage as if this is some sort of, you know, inconceivable thing like, well, Apple can start in a garage, you know, and Dell can start in a garage. But why can't you start a bank in a garage? Right. He just assumed that that was just the craziest thing. And that's exactly what these Wisconsin, Minnesota people are doing. They want to start a bank in a garage and they figured out a way to make it safe. You're the boss, Alan. You don't have to raise your hand. I have a great answer for Alu's question about the edge wallet, like how they let us do it. In general, I think when governments allow us to do things that are like actually pro-liberty kinds of stuff, like a, a good system, it's so that they're trying to keep it legal long enough for them to get an infiltrator either into the code of edge, because right now it's pretty private custodial wallet. They want to figure out a way to get inside of it so they can see our transactions. That way they can um, you know, frame someone, I mean, do a... Uh, entrapment type of deal with the federal agents or something else or um, something like that. Eventually entrap people or get into the code. And once they can get a bug in there, if it's possible, I don't know, technologically, like maybe they're waiting for something like that. Yeah, I think those are all interesting answers. I think the bottom line is the government doesn't want to let anybody do anything they can't control. And they're not going to let any bank compete now with the big four or five. Um, And What's so sad is people either don't realize that's happening, don't realize the danger of, of what that means. We know it because we're sophisticated. But when I asked Aaron what percent of the population understands crypto or even knows about crypto, I think he said 1%. How many people care enough to realize what this banking crisis is heading to? And yes, there are articles about it in the papers every day, but people are busy exercising their thumbs and playing games. And like Ed's always said, Ed M, game over. I think this distraction is the, is the name of the game because Free Talk Live, uh, it's a three-hour podcast, live radio show based in New Hampshire. It's all voluntarists and libertarians. They talked a lot about distraction um, the other night, and it kind of makes some sense if you think about it. The federal government knows that they're the enemy, and I just wrote a book about they fear unity, how they divide us against each other based on race, class, party, ideology, and then we fight each other, not them. But if they can keep us kind of fat – sick, unhealthy, busy, poor because of inflation, taxed 50%. So we got to work. Both parents are working 24-7. When both parents are working 24-7 and raising one or two kids and a dog, they cannot have enough time to go to town hall meetings and to write letters to their state representatives, let alone think about Congress and think about other political stuff that aren't even the big important bills and presidential debates every four years. So we're so distracted and busy and caught up in just surviving, which I understand, that, you know, because they've made us so poor and busy and, and fat and unhealthy and fat, as we all know, means obese, means heart disease, means you're in the hospital for 40 weeks a year. We're not in the well, town hall legislature testifying. It even goes further than that because that's true. But then when they really, really tick off people, you get moms for liberty, but then they call them terrorists. Oh, of course. So it was Mike who was talking about that Angela Redingale, who I believe is suing now. 
that the, the military turned against her for speaking at a board of ed meeting or something. So that's the point. When you finally say, with all of that, we're still going to go out at night and yell at a meeting. They come after you hard and they let you know who's the boss. I assume January 6th. I was just going to say they're going after. They made an announcement. There's another thousand people that we're going after now from J6. Have you heard that? Yeah, 700 to 1,200 people are going to be uh, unbelievable. indicted. Unbelievable. <laughs> yes. What's more unbelievable, that they're doing that or that the Republicans are just shrugging their shoulders? The interesting thing is that the question now uh, is that the D.C. court system is is essentially full. I mean, they are, they are trying... Uh, people uh, like like Stalin uh, tried people back in the 30s, you know, nine minute trials, um, and uh, they still don't have enough uh, space in the jail, space in the um, courtrooms, judges, whatnot to try. That's all easy. The they cases. can they can spend more uh, taxpayer dollars to hire more courts and and judges and and jails and um, build more courthouses. And again, we all know you guys will all pay for it. So why not build a few more? Why, why is it surprising that it's like Stalin's trials? I mean, you've got Berea as the one who's basically coming up with the indictments. You know, show yeah. me the man, I'll show you the crime. Yeah, um, no, it's 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 and very it's also much interesting, like, uh, Ed. You say they don't have enough space, but that's because we were raised on the Eighth Amendment. But back in the good old days, you could put fifty people in an eight by eight cell. So why should you know, the way they're treating the J Sixers anyway? Who cares? And by the way, what trials? How many people that are in jail in, for J Six? Uh, hearings, so hearings, you know, appearances, hearings. maybe it's a, they can yeah, appearances, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this this kind of a little bit segues into the Trump arrest. Um, and again, we can talk about that from all the angles. One angle is the whole thing is it's total head fake and it was just a Trump stunt. Um, but New York did definitely were building up barricades in front of whatever courthouse it was or police precincts that it was. Um, and they're even what do you, what's his name? Oh, come on, Joe Scarborough. It's like, yeah, send them all to Rikers. <laughs> of course, Rikers yeah. is empty because you can't send <laughs> real criminals to Rikers anymore. So they will always make room for them. And we're the ones that are coming after. Everybody else is totally innocent. Yeah. So let's move on to Trump. Does anybody buy that part of the story that there's never been really a threat of him being arrested, that he's just you know, getting in the news again for this. That's I, think I don't know. I don't care. He's a narcissist. I don't care. No, I mean, I think we should care because it's obviously yet another political prosecution. I, I, you know, and uh, it, it when Trump was elected unexpectedly in 2016, I think the whole establishment decided that there would be that they would not allow him to be president. And there was a sort of a, a rolling low level coup to remove him from power. Prevent him from doing anything, and 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 that of course built up until uh, you know uh, he had a relatively successful first three years uh, until COVID was unleashed. Um, you know the interesting thing is that um, there was this Bill Gates funded. I am getting to Trump here. There was this Bill Gates funded like simulation exercise of the pandemic that was in October of 2019. Event 201, it was called. Well, now it's come out that the United States had a pretty good idea that um, this was going on in September of, um, of 2019, the, the, that the lab leak occurred. And, and there were 
three things uh, Redfield testified um, that made them sure of that. They deleted a bunch of stuff from their website. They uh, changed over the leadership to the army from civilian control. And they uh, quickly put out a contract for a new um, uh, heat, you know, high performance ventilation system. They all did that in September. And so there was this October 2001. Um, 2019. Uh, uh, 2019 uh, event 201. Um, like, what do we do in a pandemic? And what they ended up deciding in this event 201 is that they would do the lockdowns, the masses, you know, all that stuff. Even though the WHO had specifically said that none of this is going to work beforehand. And so, you know, I, I, I once thought that, and I, I still do think that, um, that the United States basically behaved opposite to what everybody had been recommending there because the the thing had been turned into a sort of a, a bioweapon preparedness. Um, but I think I think there's a lot to be said for the people who, who participated in Gates's event 201, that they probably already knew that something was coming because it had been a month and that was probably a response to the pandemic. Everybody was saying, oh, how, how prescient he was for having this simulation just a few months before the pandemic. But in fact, it was uh, it was a month to six weeks after the pandemic started. Now. The pandemic was used to destroy what positive Trump brought and to fix the election. So here he comes, he's gonna run again. Now, he has a lot of flaws. Alu mentioned some of them, narcissist, no loyalty. You know, he's done nothing for the J6ers. Um, and he's asking people to go out and protest in New York City of all things. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Um, and yet, <laughs> and yet, uh, the more they, the ruling class, uh, tries to destroy Trump, um, I think the more it's important for us to not let them do it, or we'll never get anyone. I mean, Trump is a very, very flawed populist, but we'll never get anyone who will ever stand up to the ruling class again if we don't support Trump in this battle against the misuse of the justices. Well, really, the first I, Trump was Bork. Yeah. And then Palin. Um, so, and it's funny because they say, well, Trump, they, you know, he's the most dangerous one. They're going after him the worst. But they went pretty heavy after Palin. And had she won, there's no reason to believe they would have done everything to her. And frankly, had Romney won, they would have done the same thing. And the message is nobody dare run. What, Ed? Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I with you, Ed. I mean, I, I do think it's important. It, it's somewhat important to defend Trump. I think it's very important as a political persecution. But when I look at the evils we're facing today, Trump is the one who unleashed every one of them on us. Trump is responsible. I mean, when you look at, you know, when you look, we're talking about Corona, you know, the, the COVID and stuff. The one who, yeah. who empowered, Bur uh, you know, Burks and Fauci. Trump is the one who was gung ho about lockdowns. Trump is the one to this day who who still defends the vaccines. You know, last week, you know, after last week's show, we had, we we passed March sixteenth, which was the three year anniversary 
of, of the lockdowns. Did it's Trump come out and say- of two weeks, right? That's funny math. 15 days to stop the, to, to flatten the curve. Instead, it was flatten the economy. Has yeah. Trump ever backed off any of that? He's Has he ever said, I shouldn't have done that or I meant well, but I shouldn't, but, but I, I should do something different next time. I mean, DeSantis did. DeSantis locked Florida down and then he backed off. Trump, Trump unleashed. No, I think that's I I think that's, um, you know, electing Trump uh, to be your uh, person against Corona fascism is the same thing as electing Romney to be your. Exactly. And I've said that on the show. uh, Obamacare. Yeah, you did. But it's 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 more than that. I mean, like, as I was saying, Trump has unleashed every evil that we're facing today. He is the one who funded the weaponization of every one of these agencies. He signed the CARES Act. He signed all this, all the spending that funded spending, lockdowns. Yeah. He's funded he, his his spending is what led to the inflation. When we look at the crime wave, the BLM wave, Trump is the one who who came up with the the first step act, who let people out of jail. Yep. Trump is the one who has unleashed every horror that we're facing today. You can trace it back to Trump. So when I hear people say we have to defend Trump because he's the one who's going to save us. I, I just don't. I look at them like they're crazy. It's it's like this guy never ran. Like this guy was never president and has no record. It's like it's 2016 all over again. You know. Well, I mean, people people understand that um, that uh, you know Biden has been an absolute catastrophe. Um, so the question sure. is, the question is, you know, it, it, you know, is DeSantis going to run? I really think he shot himself in the foot this last week because he played not because he played into the desanctimonious label that that's the problem is he, he that is trump labeled him desanctimonious a long time ago and and his statement just just played right into that it's like he didn't have i'm going to argue with any you. political i disagree advice. with that entirely yeah. i mean we've talked about that privately but go ahead steven no i i kind of disagree with ed p on that i i know that that's what a lot of people are saying but in the context of a very long statement, I don't think it was quite as, uh, not the words, not frivolous, I forget the word I'm trying to use here, um, gratuitous to throw out that line. But I didn't find it sanctimonious in the context of- What a, was the line exactly? Can we tell the listeners? He, oh, when he, he, said, he said something about the, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know what hush money is. Paying off pro- prostitutes or something like that. Hush money and, for and, a prostitute, and, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. Find, and, it, I didn't and that, find that that gratuitous and that sanctimonious. What's wrong with that? that? It's it's it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that he played it, that, that is a sanctimonious statement and he played into it. And it was yeah, just he, if he had left out that line, it would have been a perfect. No, Because they would have gone after him for everything else. And I mean, I think DeSantis's biggest problem is he has to quit the governorship to run for president. And I think that is a big, big problem for him. Oh, is that the law in Florida? Yes. And that's apparently why he's stuck. And and I don't know if there's any way around that. And that's not a good well, Yeah. You get the his Republican uh, legislature house and legislature to pass a law saying you don't have to do that. anymore. That's easy. Then the left would have meltdowns no, and they'd I mean, all have strokes and there would be no more Democrats, only dead ones who could still vote Democrat. I mean, because you're <laughs> going to hear the passing a law for a specific person stuff. Apparently it's, it's not that simple. So, so I don't know. And and it's 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 a super big risk in that sense. But I did, you know, when I first heard the line, I was a little more upset about it. But in the context of everything, not really. And, you know, it's funny because 
know, we can and we do argue all day, Trump good, Trump bad. I have a lot of trouble forgetting his accusing Ted Cruz's father of killing JFK. I have I have trouble forgetting some of the names, you know. Look, there's, there's, there's more than that. Trump, uh, DeSantis was 100% justified in going after Trump, 100%. The problem is, do you want to win and the primary or do you want to lose the primary? Because he and Trump were fairly close. And now Trump is like 54 and he's down at his lowest that he's ever been, 26. Uh, you know, in I, the latest I know polls, I'm, probably, I'm probably ignorant, but I don't believe these polls. As, Maybe, I, as uh, I was saying before, Trump, while Trump has unleashed every evil we're facing, DeSantis has a record too, and he is fighting every single one of these evils. He is introducing, le- asking the legislature to introduce legislation to not recognize central bank digital currency in his state. He stripped Disney of, of its special status when it went woke. And, and tried to interfere with politics and, and defend child grooming. He's gone after woke prosecutors. The guy goes after every, he, the, the stunt up to Martha's Vineyard with immigration. Every issue that matters, he is taking whatever step he can. And on the opposite side, Trump is all talk. And, and, and worse, Trump attacks DeSantis day in and day out. And DeSantis makes one little throwaway line and his people are all up in arms. They need to dry their panties and move on. I mean, that's just I'm I'm sorry. DeSantis should basically give them the middle finger that you just gave a few minutes ago. Ed. if that's going to if that's going to lose them the election, then then the Republican Party is done. The the the, the country is done. DeSantis the Republican the guy Party is done, of course. <laughs> what? I mean, the Republican Party has been it's done. It's all for over. Quite a while. Succession is the only prayer. Florida should secede. New Hampshire should secede. I think there it's funny. Who would McConnell rather have win the primary, Trump or DeSantis? Uh, Mitt Romney. He hates hates them both. No, but between DeSantis and Trump, Trump has already proven he'll work with McConnell. Just, Trump will work with him. DeSantis will hold the line on at least some pro liberty issues. That's what I kind no, of. No, I don't think that's true at all. That's What's not true? DeSantis has done some great stuff in Florida. I'm not saying anything bad about them, about him, but his past is, you know, the same past as everybody else in the ruling class. He, uh, you know, it's not true. Went, went to Yale, went to Harvard, office. went, um, you know, he, he was in the military, but he was a JAG officer. And, and as we know, and the, the, the JAG officers are, are some of the absolute worst in the military, they prevented any sort of, um, you know, military action, uh, especially in in the army and the, and the navy, because they wouldn't allow, um, you know, efficient targeting of the enemy. Um, now he did go and deploy to Iraq, and and good for him. But um, it's not like he had any. He, he's had really any decent. Uh, As any opposed real to Trump, job. who served bravely in the military and won the Medal of Honor, right? No, but he just <laughs> it, 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 Trump had a real job. I mean, yeah, he had a real job for, for 50 years, you know? I, I, mean, I think the I big thing between DeSantis Trump and DeSantis, Trump, the greatest allure about Trump is that he's an outsider and that he actively fights back, punches back, says things fighting back, and does some things to fight back. But guess what? Most of what he actually does is 
cave and compromise the Democrats and pass $5 trillion budgets and increase taxes and ban guns and tell Massey to get out of the party because he's too libertarian. DeSantis says the right things and punches back and actually does some policy things to actually do things. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. And if it were, you know, if, if Ed got to choose who we were going to uh, nominate for president, I would choose DeSantis right now. What I'm trying to do is tamp down your expectations because I have a feeling there are a lot of things going to come out about DeSantis's past that are going to be like, ooh, ooh. And I read an article. On well, I've heard he likes I police. I can't think about anything. The Free Talk Live people, um, they hit him a lot. They say he's as bad as almost any statist because he, he likes police a lot. When he was in Congress, he voted pretty average, conservative, authoritarian, not very libertarian. I don't know his congressional yeah. record. I didn't even know he was in Congress till recently. But that's um, very attractive to conservatives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all, you know, I, I, I think that we all. Israel, which I don't know which way that plays to the electorate nowadays. I don't know how much it plays either. I, I. I uh, that's a whole nother uh, story about whether you should be pro-Israel or or just, you know, pro all free countries in, in the world. Israel happens to be one of them. I mean, I, I know you have a I mean, like I'm pro England, right? My heritage is English and I'm pro England. But and I I hate what the English government's doing uh, or the British government's doing to Britain. I hate it. But on the other hand, if you ask me, well, should we give, you know, billions of dollars to England? You know, like, no. So, I mean, there's a there's a being pro-England and I like I've been to England and I've toured England and I like England and all that. But like, you know, should we set our policy to like rescue the English government from their own stupidity? I'd be like, no. So, I mean, I, I think there's pro-Israel in, in sort of that sense. It's like, you know, they're a free country and, you know. They're friendly and, you know, we, I have nothing against them. And especially you guys, your heritage is with the Jewish people in Israel. I'm not about yeah, I mean, that. By the like, way, we can have a whole Israel show because what Biden yeah. is doing right now, telling Israel how to run their internal affairs to me is so off the charts that I. Oh, I, what's worse is he's telling uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, it, it, so, uh, you know, I say I'm, I'm pro you. England, UK, the, the EU has is trying to split off Northern Ireland from the United Kingdom, and they're making the United Kingdom, and with willing consent of the idiots who are in charge of the country, impose a, a tariff border between like England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, which are all part of the same country, and the EU's forced them to do it, and they're doing it. But Biden, who considers himself Irish, is... No, 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 no. Excuse me. This week he's Persian. He's black. Yeah, this week he's oh. Persian. But uh, Biden's inserting himself into what is essentially an internal UK thing and also an UK EU thing. He's inserting himself personally to try to move Northern Ireland away <laughs> from uh, the United Kingdom. And that is really awful. And in Israel, he's doing the same thing with this judge thing. They love rule by judges. And so he's inserting himself into um, Netanyahu's attempt to rein in the rogue Supreme Court in Israel, which is it, it has basically just seized power. And again, this is not our business. We can have opinions about it. Like I happen to be in favor of Netanyahu's thing. And I can say I'm in favor of Netanyahu's thing. But the United States government, this is Israel's internal affairs. We should butt yeah, out. They used to butt out of that kind of stuff. Yes. And they, we should butt. And the government should butt out of the UK internal affairs and Israel internal affairs. They should butt out. It's, they're our friends. We don't tell them what to do. 
What about the territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that, too. Neither of them are our friends. And it's um, funny because some people are attacking DeSantis for taking that position, which is much closer to, I think, the position of the people on this show, um, that, you know, that he gave that answer to Tucker. So I'm not sure how that's playing out, you know, in flyover country. Well, when you have McConnell say, was it McConnell or Kevin McCarthy or one of the Republicans saying, you know, I think it was McConnell. It's like, uh, I think the most important issue right now uh, facing the United States is, um, is you know, the Ru Russian aggression in Ukraine. I mean, that's, that's, and I, I think we'll all agree, you know, all the Republicans agree that. That's just the craziest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, that with all of the things that are going wrong, I mean, what what makes him say that? Why why would anyone say that? I mean, you might be in favor of Ukrainians kicking the Russians out of Ukraine. I happen to be one of those people. You might even be in favor in, in giving them extra military equipment to help them do it. I'm also in favor of that. But why we why it's the most important thing is just the craziest, nuttiest, most disconnected from reality thing I've well, ever heard in my entire life. Part of a distraction play? That if we keep your mind on Ukraine, you don't realize this whole country's falling apart. I don't think. I don't. I've. Not, I, you know. I, I work for the military people. I, I, the people. I, the people I work with work for the military too. I don't know any of them who give a shit, as far as like in principle, care about this thing. I mean, I guess they. You know, that from the standpoint of oh, we're testing our weapons or whatever. I mean, that's kind of cool. But like, I, I don't think anybody cares. But are we testing our weapons? Aren't we giving old stuff anyway? We're giving old stuff, but we're giving some new stuff like the high Mars and stuff. They, I mean, they that really was one, wanna... of the, one of the answers that they used to give about why we gave military equipment to Israel was we get to test out stuff in real combat. But I think they were giving Israel some decent stuff. But I thought Ukraine were just throwing out leftovers and hand-me-downs. It is mostly leftovers, yeah. But there is some, a, a little bit of new stuff. They're giving them Bradleys now and stuff. Bradleys are very interesting you know, things. So, I don't know. But I, um, so I why it's controversial, why it's controversial for um, DeSantis to say, hey, that we got other problems than Ukraine. I, I mean, why, why that even gets noticed? I have no idea. It's funny because, you know, when I grew up conservative, pro-military, I'm trying to figure out my father who's gone now almost nine years would he have gone back to Cold War? We have to fight Russia like we fought him in Vietnam, et cetera, the domino theory, et cetera. Or would he be saying, yeah. is it too much? And I, I'm wondering, like, that core conservative, the kind of Reagan conservatives, do we know, are they pro this war? Or is anybody pulling more towards the DeSantis and even Trump side of more towards isolationism? And I think that's a split in the Republican Party. And I tend to think there is more of a split in the Republican Party with regard to, um, you know, like it's it's their war. I mean, you can root for whoever you want to root for, but I mean, uh, you know, it's for them to figure out. Right. Um, I mean, it's a you know, split. The we worst part of the United States is uh, interference is we keep preventing peace talks from taking place between Russia and Ukraine, and yep. no matter what peace talks. No matter what the results of the peace talks, I think it's going to be a hard peace for both countries. I mean, a really hard peace. By the way, you guys, um, uh, um, I'm in my 60s. I don't know. You guys, none of you are in your 60s, right? Do you remember? 50, 55 the, here. 
the entire country that let's give peace a chance, which was literally, I mean, the cacophony of my youth was give peace a chance. Meathead, this whole entire thing, remember you see with those peace necklaces and peace beads and peace everything. And uh, let's see, where have all the flowers gone, et cetera, et cetera. That's yeah. what I was weaned on. And they're all gung-ho pro-war. It's it's absolutely Orwellian. It's mind-blowing. Here, I'll show you something here. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the thing is this, this, that this meme captures is, is Russia's fundamental geostrategical issue. Um, and I, you know, Putin, I don't think is, is dumb, but I mean, he's, he's basically, he's basically becoming a client state of China. He's, he's basically surrendering Russia to China. Um, and why would he do that? You know, and, and, and I think the only reason he's doing that is because the United States government is pushing him in to do that. Um, Good question. He needs China for and, what? For minerals? For oil? What does he need China for? Well, like I said, the Chinese need all of these resources and the Russians don't have any people. So uh, that, that is the fundamental thing. This whole area of the world this all of Siberia and whatnot is is basically going to be um, China, China's at some point. And the, you know, what is Russia going to do? I mean, oh yeah, we're not going to give them any territory. We're just going to let their workers come in and work our mines and our forests and whatnot because we're not any Russian. Well, that's just mass migration. I mean, it's <laughs> fifty years it'll be China. So I mean, I, I, this China is the really fundamental problem because and we're off two generations of kids. Well, yeah, I mean, Russia is, Russia's population is declining. Obviously, the Soviet population, uh, you know, had a bunch of hits because of the terror and the and the Second World War. Um, but uh, right now, it's because they nobody wants to have children. So, uh, you know, I, I I don't know, but I mean, this is this is Russia's. If you were Putin and you stare at this map. Um, you've got to be scared shitless that half your entire country is going to be Chinese in 50 years. Um, and I, I don't know why he's, I, I think he's, you know, trying to feed the crocodile in hopes of being eaten last. Um, but it's, it, but we, the United States government is forcing Putin um, into the situation of becoming a client state to China. And, and that is bad for the whole world. So, cause the Chinese, I don't know, I don't care how bad you think, the Russian government is the Chinese government is ten times worse. So, you think Putin is really just a waning power at the end of its reign? Yes, I do. I think Putin is. I think Putin is out of there um, within the next few years. Uh, it just he's one of the things Stalin did in the Second World War is he he just threw people into the machine guns, right? I mean, there was the old, you know, they only had half the number of rifles. So you just, you just, you, the guy in front takes the rifle when he shot, you take it from him and keep going. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of military genius. He had murdered all of the Russian generals and colonels and, and whatnot. So, I mean, he, he just, he, he was, he's a, a, the whole Soviet military thing is just throw people at the front lines. Um, and that's what they're doing. And there are reports that the 
Russians are losing three, five, seven to one in Bakhmut against the Ukrainians. Now the Ukrainians can't afford to lose people, but that's the whole point. We'll just throw con uh, conscripts at the front lines and eventually we'll kill all the Ukrainians. That's the plan. I mean, it's so insane, um, but I, it can't go on forever because they're gonna run out of provincials. Remember all these, all these people being thrown into the meat grinder in Ukraine, almost all of them, are provincials. None of them are Muscovites or the heart of Central European uh, or Eastern European Russia. So when they run out of provincials, the provincials are either going to revolt, in which case, who's going to put down the revolt? Or they're just going to stop, in which case he's going to have to start drafting European Russians, which he doesn't want to do, and then they'll revolt. I mean, he's he has to have peace too. Zelensky is running out of people. He has that peace. They both have to have peace. And who's standing in the way of peace? Joe how Biden, is, how does the Anthony United Blinken. States, how do we stop them from peace talks? We just said, we, we've apparently, again, this is news reporting, apparently we just say we won't support any uh, peace talks. Why are we even in the game? Why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, why are we always in the game, right? Because part of the peace talks is us paying people off. Okay, that, with that, money that we print. with Chinese money, yeah, yeah with, with, sense with money that we print, yeah, with money we print. That's that's how we, that's how we do anything in foreign policy. We just throw money at it. It's ours is a weird empire, right? The Roman Empire. They went out in the provinces and they extracted cash and they sent it back to Rome. The American Empire. We extract cash or print it from our own citizens and we send it out to the provinces. It's the nuttiest empire in the history of the world. Well, that was kind of the Soviet empire, too. I mean, they didn't have a lot of wealth, but that was how they maintained yeah. the Eastern Bloc, too. And China's doing the same thing. They are investing strategically in Africa and um, in this uh, Belt and Road Initiative throughout Asia. They're spending South Chinese America. money. Uh, yeah, in South America. Um, so it's it's a weird thing. You know, they, you don't just conquer people and, and uh, extract their wealth and send it home. You actually... You know, if you are productive, you use your own wealth to buy new alliances and, and provinces into your empire. So basically, our tra trajectory now, we're heading quite quickly to a unipolar world and the one pole is China. I think so, yeah. Because America is being run to the ground by Biden at unprecedented pace. And I, I read this. I read this unclassified report put out by one of those think tanks, CSIS, about you know what would happen if the United States and China went to war over Taiwan, and you know they were, quote unquote, optimistic that we could prevent China from uh, taking uh, Taiwan, um, but it was like ten thousand Americans dead in the first few days. Now that's more people than have died in all the wars since um, Vietnam, right? In the first few days, that was the that was the result of their um, their thing. What do you think that's going to do to the reputation of the government when that happens? Well, the U.S. is certainly in a decline stage, but I I think that China is closer to what Japan was in the in the late eighties than I think they're in worse shape actually. And Japan has been a zombie country for 35, 40 years now. China is facing really bad economic problems. Their banking system is in a lot of trouble. Their property management system, their real estate markets in, in trouble. 
and just in a on a cultural level there uh, they they don't quite have the population problems that Japan has had or that the, the Russians have but they're not they're not growing their population either they're you know they they, they don't have people to i mean they have billion a billion people but uh, they're not replacing the, the the workers that they need, and I, I don't think that they're poised to take over the world. I think that well, now the, the interesting thing I, I I want you guys to comment um, is that it appears the Chinese have brokered a rapprochement between uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't know how much this is real, but it has to do with the war in Yemen. Which the you know the Iranians are are supporting one side and the um, Saudis are and the United States are supporting the other side and here comes China to uh, to negotiate what might be an end to that war I don't know um, how, how does that sound to you guys Well, I was worried about that in terms of American American interests and and also I'm not quite sure where it leaves Israel if Saudi Arabia and Iran are really um, making friends, and I, I don't really know what's happening there. Because that's my view on that. I, I think, I think when the bad guys get together, it's almost like the trash taking itself out. And I think it poses some short-term risks and and dangers to us. But the more we disentangle from Saudi Arabia, the more we disentangle from China, the more we disentangle from Iran, from any of these dictatorships. It's in the long-term interest of the United States to do that. And yes, there's going to be short-term pain from it. I mean, you know, if we cut off all trade with China, look at what's, we, we already have problems getting pharmaceuticals right now. Antibiotics are in short supply. That's a problem. Anti-cancer drug. Right. We, we, have, we have issues with that. But long-term, I think disen, disengagement with these countries is in the long-term strategic interest of the United States. So and it will ultimately make us Yes, strong. and and- and uh, packing on top of that is, I would say, one of the most horrific, evil, criminal things our leaders, rulers, elites in D.C., the bastards, have done for decades is destroy our economy with regulations, you know, $2 trillion, $5, $10 trillion of regulations decades ago, um, and taxes, 40 50% effective income tax, destroying every part of our economy, including pharmaceuticals and critical medical stuff and technology and equipment, and forcing us to rely on the cheap labor in China that can make it for cheaper. And now China has us by the you-know-whats, and now they can have us killed because, as people mention all the time on TV, but they don't understand the angle, but they don't understand what they're saying. If China cuts off trade or if we can't trade you know, with China, which is pretty far away, if something happens with the supply chain, a lot of us are going to die because we need you know, epi, insulin, this, that, food, ventilators, all these machinery for ventilators, all the cop, everything. A lot of stuff that we need to live, You know, not me, but sick people, old people need to right. live and medications but they need every day come from China. And we rely on them because the, our gun, our leaders, who you guys don't really want to secede from that badly like, as much as I do, have destroyed us and made us dependent serfs and um, I would argue it's China not now. the leaders it's not the leaders that's actually the private market no it's DC it, who's done it they destroyed the market we can't make anything if I, think the, I think the analogy though is is Pearl Harbor I mean Pearl Harbor destroyed us for a short time too and it required we had to rebuild the Pacific Fleet we had to rebuild our military yeah I mean, Ed, 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 we've had this discussion before that's when America was growing men that's that's true. I'm not saying that we're, that we're going to win, but I but I do think you the, the the segment was was brought up you know brought out by you saying you know that you were afraid of this, and I, I think it's actually a good thing 
I mean, was Pearl Harbor a good thing? No. But one of the results of Pearl Harbor was we we buckled down, we we reindustrialized, we focused on the you know getting our military back in in uh, position to fight to a two front war, and it took us three and a half years. I don't know how long it would take. I'm not, I, and I I agree a hundred percent with Alu that a lot of people are going to die, but I mean that, that's sort of baked in the cake. I mean I don't mean to be you know callous about it, but. I mean, our leaders have sold us out. I mean, there's just no, I mean, there's no way around that. Just like they've sold us into bankruptcy. You know, there's no way to pay off this, the debt that we have. We're going to have to face it. We're, there's going to be pain. But, you know, every all growth comes from pain. There's no pain-free growth. And you, you know, you're basically, you're, you're channeling that that quote, you know, hard times create tough people and mm-hmm. tough people create good times and good times create right. weak people, et cetera. I don't know that America has it in itself. I mean, just look at our military. Everything. The cycle's over. There won't be hard men I, anymore. I don't until... know if we can make John Wayne's anymore. That's the that's the open question. But I, I don't think, I mean, America is on a decline. You're right. But I'm not so afraid of China. I'm not so afraid of China hooking up with Saudi Arabia and Iran. Uh, none of those things scare me that much. I, If anything, I almost welcome them. You see, if you know I, mean? I agree with you. If America functioned where we're 100% self-sufficient with energy and everything else that we easily could be, I would totally agree with you. What do we care? The problem is that we're such a weak country right now. I mean, I, you, you know, know what, talk about to... medicine, but if you can't get medicine, it's, it's And like, why aren't you people angry it's, it's, at the people in DC over the last hundred years for making us dependent? We could have been self-sustaining in every way and booming and the most prosper, prosperous, healthy people in the universe. Yeah, of and, course we're- And, and you know, just-, yeah, just Alu, but, the, but, the, but look at it this way. If New Hampshire couldn't be, the United States could be, but New Hampshire couldn't be. So that that's the thing. It's like, there's a difference between trying to fix the problems with the United States which is big enough so that if, you know, it, we could implement um, autarky, you know, be self-sufficient in most things, but the states couldn't be. That's one of the, the whole states trade with each other. New Hampshire can make everything in the world, and what they can't make, they'll trade for. It's called free trade. But just, just to just to tie this segment to the earlier segment on currency and cryptocurrency. Uh, it's not just that China and, and Japan, uh, China, China and, and Iran and uh, Saudi Arabia and these countries are making military alliances. If you're following the, the monetary system, they're trying to come up with an alternative uh, monetary system called the BRICS. And, you know, they're trying to do a, have an alternative payment system. And, and once again, I welcome it. Let them let let's let's let them not deal with dollars. And you know what? Let them also not have access to the U.S. market either. Let them develop their way, and we'll develop our way, and let's see which one is better. And and I, I, the world is moving in that direction. And rather than resist it, I think we should welcome it. I think it's a. I think we that's a battle that we can win in the long term. I don't know that we're going to win it in the short term. We're going to suffer a lot of setbacks because our our leaders, as you guys are all pointing out, have really sold us out and done some really horrible, awful things. But in the long run, we still have the better system, and I think that we're going to come out on top in that. I think we had the better system. I don't know if we have, if we have the better system. That's why that's what makes me so uh, pessimistic about it all. Our carcass is healthier than their carcass. Yeah. Well, I'm fundamentally Burkean, right? I, I believe in reform, fixing these problems, but I I do believe in in sort of a gradualism rather than a more revolutionary, like uh, you know, the country split it, you know, dissolving into fifty independent countries. The, the problem is. Um, 
no country lasts forever. So the, the yeah. idea that the United States will keep being reborn and keep being a power doesn't really fit with the world. No country lasted forever. So yeah, and the Roman Empire, oh, Egypt and China have lasted for a long time. What's that? Yeah, so Egypt and China have lasted for a pretty long time. Egypt, yeah. they were conquered. Well, they were conquered. I'm so oh, the American Empire is they done. Would, they would it's like self-sabotage, but I don't know if that's really unique. Yeah. I think other empires have kind of self-sabotaged. You guys are more historians than I am. That what we've seen the last eighty years, hundred years, fifty years, whatever, from DC politicians, the, the self-sabotage of you know, Clinton, Obama, Jimmy Carter, Biden, Trump, is that unprecedented with empires? I mean, the Roman Empire. I've heard they kind well, of generally speaking, the empires, the empire, uh, empires have died due to civil wars. That's you know uh, basically one faction trying to seize power from another faction, and you know they end up killing all the people, and the invaders come in and take over. I mean that's that's basically the way it it, it goes, and I think we're very close to that because I think we're very close. Human to nature war. says we can only play together in the sandbox for so long until we kill each other. The thing is, we don't have two factions in the country. We have the ruling class and the people, and the people are completely disorganized and they don't have a faction. They're not represented in the government, as we see, you know, DeSantis' uh, mild comment about um, uh, Ukraine not being the most important thing, getting attacked by everyone. I mean, the, uh, and he, you know, and so, I mean, he's not a particularly, you know, dissident on on a lot of things, but in that case, he, he was just shut down completely. Um, and, and I don't think Trump, Trump has great instincts, but he didn't know anything. So it's hard for him to achieve anything. What's interesting is of all the people that Tucker got responses from, I believe there was only one who was pro furthering the Ukraine conflict. I can't remember who that was, but everybody- oh, hey, was There were a couple, Nikki Haley, uh, Chris yeah. Christie, uh, I think Sununu, said he was for it too although i'm not as positive about sununu sununu i don't so, think he could be elected in new hampshire again sununu is president so States. all over the place i think he said that that ukraine maintaining its sovereignty is like the most important thing in the universe i think i heard him say that or something it was pretty bad <laughs> yeah sununu is interesting Okay, I was going to talk a little bit about the libel law i don't know ed if you want to talk about that a little bit what's going on in florida with the fighting the sullivan case um, I I forget what was the the factual backdrop for that. Is there there's a case going on down there? There's a bill, or is it legislation? A oh, it was legislation, right? Yeah, there's a bill trying to change. I think who's going to be called public figures and kind of changing the 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 thresholds, I guess, for the sub right. Well, which is impossible I mean, to overcome. The the defamation law changed in 1964 with the New York Times versus Sullivan case. And it basically made it impossible for public figures. Well, the Sullivan case was public officials, but it was extended to public figures a couple of years later for them to recover for defamation. And it also insulated the press. New York Times was the plaintiff in that case uh, or was the defendant in that case. And it insulated the press from any kind of defamation lawsuits. Uh, it's almost impossible to sue them. Uh, we could get into some of the legal legal. Uh, legalese or the legal issues in that but uh, just suffice to say it's it's not enough for the for the press to publish something that's false or for a private person to publish something that's false about a public figure you know you mentioned trump saying that uh Rafael cruz was part of the kennedy assassination 
th that was obviously false, but in order to make it a, a defamation case, it would have you'd have Rafael Cruz would have to not only prove that it was false, but prove that Trump subjectively either believed it was false or entertained very serious doubts about whether it was true. And isn't there also Even, a malice thing in there? Well, that's called that's what actual malice. Yeah. You have to have you have to either subjectively believe that it's false. I think it could have reached the threshold in that case. He probably knew it was BS. It was a ridiculous campaign no, thing. There but was some bogus case in the in the National Enquirer, and he was just referring to that. And even negligence is not sufficient. There are cases on it. Being negligent, not doing due diligence isn't sufficient. Even if you could prove that Trump was just careless in making the comment, it's not enough because he's a public figure or a limited figure, limited purpose public figure as the pres father of a presidential candidate. So basically, it's really impossible for, for public figures to recover for defamation. And it's opened up it's opened up uh, the possibility of people like Trump making these ridiculous kinds of comments. And, you know, I pick on Trump a lot on here, but it's not just Trump. You watch our political campaigns. I think that's part of the reason why they've devolved into mudslinging, because you can't sue anybody over anything. You can say anything. I mean, we had, what was it, uh, Harry Reid, senator from Nevada, you know, making up stuff about uh, Mitt um, Romney. And when he got caught afterwards, he said, well, it worked. But he did, that was done on the floor, wasn't it? And then he's protected by the Constitution for that. I don't remember the specifics of that, but the, the principle is still the same. Mm -hmm. it, you, when you can make these kind of libelous statements at, with impunity, you're going to get more of them. I mean, in order to stop it, you have to be able to punish them. And New York Times versus Sullivan doesn't allow punishment for it. And the Florida DeSantis is pushing the legislature to pass legislation that would try and use use the legislature to alter certain definitions that would technically fit in with New York Times versus Sullivan, but still undermine it. And if nothing else, present the case that could get to the Supreme Court that might allow them to overrule it. Okay, or I was going to ask, how could a, a state law overrule the Supreme Court? We all know that the D.C. elites are gods and the Supremacy Clause says federal everything trumps everything. Um, but you kind of answered that because it kind of conforms with it in a sense. They're trying to. They're trying to do it so that sufficiently that it it, it could make it up to the Supreme Court. That's, well, does that's it have to go to the Supreme Court if a Florida newspaper libels a Florida person? Why doesn't it just stay within the state anyway? That's what I'm trying to figure out. What's the relationship of the state? To well, because the the you know if the newspaper if the newspaper does a libel and the and the you know suppose that a newspaper says something about DeSantis, who is clearly a public figure. And a public official, and he sues, and he says, "Oh, under this law, you're not a public figure, or you're uh, under this law, a uh, public figure can, you know, I'm allowed to sue because of this law, okay? And I don't have the the specifics of the law in front of me, so I can't cite it specifically. the The newspaper is going to say the law is invalid. Times versus Sullivan. It, you know, they're going to make the Alu argument that the supremacy clause makes the Supreme Court decision in New York Times versus Sullivan govern." And DeSantis is going to say, no, it doesn't govern. This, this is consistent with Times versus Sullivan. And oh, by the way, we, we think Times versus Sullivan should be overruled. And they petition to the Supreme Court. I mean, the lower courts are going to rule in favor of the newspaper, most likely. And DeSantis is going to file a petition for certiorari. And, the, and he's going to say, Supreme Court, overrule New York Times versus Sullivan. And that's how it gets to the Supreme Court. I thought what he was asking was, was is libel automatically federal case? Is it like IP where patent where no. it's automatically federal? Okay. No, in, in fact, it's the opposite. It's it's a state law. The 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 Times versus Sullivan just 
uh, overlays the First Amendment onto def state defamation law. Well, was Times versus Sullivan an interstate issue at the time? Or was it appealed from New York Supreme Court? No, it was, a, it, was a, it was a case that involved, um, uh, it was like Martin Luther King Jr. and some other people were in, I think, Mississippi or Alabama and, and the New York Times uh, libeled some police chief, I think, saying that he was, you know, a racist or I, I don't remember what they right, said. But at least that was between two different states. So that was interstate. No, well, because the time, yeah, but I mean, that's just a diversity issue. I mean, it's still, it's still, they sued under Mississippi law. So how did it get to the Supreme Court? Was it from Mississippi Supreme Court appealed to the Supreme Court of the U.S.? Yeah, I'm almost positive, yes. I yeah, because that's it the might have been, It might have been Alabama. Really? It might have been Alabama. I'm not sure what state it came out of, but yeah, it I went from the state Supreme yeah. Court. So from state Supreme Courts, the appeal goes to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's the other route, if it's not in federal right. court already. If no, you have a federal issue, you can't, if there's no federal issue, then you can't go from the state, then the state Supreme Court is going to be the last say. Right. So I guess that's what I'm asking. Why is it a federal issue if it all happens within a state? Because the First Amendment is a federal issue. Okay. What's, okay. And I guess so you have, have, to, I have to run, guys. Yeah, I have to run. David, you have, you have state okay, defamation law. Oh, Ed, you got to go? Yeah. All right. So you have state defamation law. And ordinarily, states just pass laws and they do things. But if the state passes a law and it violates some provision of the Constitution, you know, like suppose that a state passes a tariff, you know, suppose, you know, New Hampshire says, I don't want any goods from California. We're going to tax them. OK, that's generally state law. That's a state issue. But you have the Commerce Clause in the federal Constitution says but you again, can't because you're bringing up an interstate issue. But if but no, you're saying he's saying state, defamation is no. inherently a First Amendment related issue. So there's always a federal claim. First, that's what New York Times versus Sullivan says, that the state defamation laws are limited by what the First Amendment says. Because of free speech or because of free press? Both. Either way, any defamation suit has a, a federal component because it has a First Amendment component. Correct. Therefore, there's a claim standing to go to a federal court is what he's saying. Yes. So basically, no... No states can have any of their own defamation laws, basically. No, uh, uh, the opposite. They have their own defamation laws, but there are limits to what they can how they can define defamation. That's right. I'm saying they, they have to always be within the borders of the 1964 case. And the First Amendment, yes. Yeah. Um, as a free speech guy, it's a tough issue. I, I, I have trouble with the whole defamation versus free speech anyway can i say something crazy i, I um can you say anything that's not crazy is a better question i'm glad you said that um the way i read the first amendment it doesn't say there are exceptions for defamation or lies or felonies or inciting violence or anything else um at all so how can any speech be illegal when the first amendment is clear there are no exceptions at all right how does defamation get cut out of all of free speech. I support it, but the First Amendment technically should be amended if we do want to have any laws restricting speech. I totally disagree. I mean, defamation was a cause of action in 1787 and 1791 when the Bill of Rights was passed. It was a part of American legal tradition. Common law. Up until Times versus Sullivan in 1964. But why? Well, We're asking... The founders weren't stupid. They wrote the First Amendment. They could have written, except in cases of defamation. Why didn't they? 
because it was obvious that de defamation was not. Um, you're asking that that's the what that's the answer. You're living in a different time. What did it defamation was, like? How did anybody know where that line was? It's not an obvious line, right, Stephen? This is what you always want this obvious line that applies in all because cases. all courts have right. obvious lines at the end. Either no, way it's not approved. courts, it's not courts. The state legislatures got to define it, and different states had different uh standards for it, and that was okay. That was that was the constitutional design. You had the federalist system, you had the Tenth Amendment, you had state sovereignty, states could define defamation. And in fact, at the time of the founding, the First Amendment didn't even apply to the states. Right. And a Congress, lot of states had their own free speech things. Congress but, shall make no law. It has nothing to do with states. Right. Well, well the 14th Amendment incorporated everything anyway. And uh, well, again, a lot of states doesn't have happen free until 1868. Yeah. And incorporation doesn't happen until, you know, the next, you know, 75 years. But no, but, but just federal, I, I really, I, I'm really not satisfied with the answer of the federal, the, the founders were not that stupid. They knew that they could write exceptions and fourth and fifth amendment, there are exceptions, but for probable cause, they knew they could do that. Why didn't oh, they, I understand oh, common you're, law. You're, why you're didn't they have a an point exception? that doesn't make any sense. The framers didn't sense? think that the first amendment even applied to the states. They didn't think the second amendment applied to the states. They didn't think that any of the amendments apply to the states. That's why the first amendment begins Congress shall pass no right, law. but whoever it applied to, there, there's a big cutout for defamation. So if I go around, I say, you know, Ed Maslish is bald. Is that free speech or is that defamation? And so you're saying the states laws as what's considered defamation, and as long as it doesn't go over the line of what the Supreme Court said, every state can define it as they want. Yes. And that's how it always was. And the, under the frame, when the framers wrote the Constitution, leaving aside that they didn't think the Constitution limited the states, I think that they all would have would have agreed different the 13, you know, you had 13 original states. They could define defamation how you know in slightly different ways. So Ed, and, you would agree with me that it's very problematic that this, as well as everything else in the world, has become federalized. I've been saying that the 14th Amendment is it, it, subverted the original constitution in ways that they didn't realize. Now, and defamation can never be criminal, correct? It's always civil action. Opposite. It used to be that there used to be lots of criminal uh, defamation laws, but they, they pretty much can't survive Times versus Sullivan. But they they used to exist. And I I haven't looked, I haven't done a, the research, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are still states that have them on I the books. I totally didn't realize that it was a crime to defame, wow. that you could actually be state versus. Of course. I mean, the, the famous John Peter Zenger case was, uh, was a criminal case, and he defended it on the basis of truth. And that was the case that established truth as a defense. And that was 1735, I think. Okay, I, I didn't realize it was ever a crime. I thought it was always civil. No, it was it was it was both. Hmm. Well, that that's even more interesting. I guess I'm going to go back to law school. That that's pretty interesting. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, in in Judaism, in Jewish law, libel and slander is considered far, far, far worse than it is in secular law. I mean, believe it or not, because most people don't observe it. Basically, in Jewish law, you 
pretty much shouldn't be talking about anybody, period. Which as one psychologist said many years ago, a non-Jewish psychologist, what a great world that would be if you didn't have to worry people talking about you. But obviously we don't live in that world. And I don't think it's defamation to say you're bald, Ed. I mean, I've learned to live with it. So I don't think it is either. But um, of course, I could say if I wrecked a relationship by saying somebody's bald, I don't know. That's why Aldo's wearing a hat. But that's why it that's why there is no bright line where this is always defamation. I mean, everything is contextual. What you know, I mean, you could call somebody a criminal, and that's defamation, you know, that's you know, defamation per se. Unless the person actually is a criminal, then it's not because it's you got truth as a defense. Uh, what was it Bell versus Burson? I believe the Supreme Court case where the, the Supreme Court of the U.S. I believe said police chiefs can pretty much the fact they say people are criminal thieves, even though they've never been convicted, and hang up posters with their faces. Yeah, I don't know that case, so I can't. Yeah, but that is interesting how the government can defame. That is kind of interesting when you think of it that way. Yeah, I actually got into a fight with a lot of other libertarians and everyone from every side hated me for a bit because there was a bill in New Hampshire that my state senator proposed, I believe, that would um, make mugshots and stuff not public because it does kind of hurt someone's reputation and they've been charged but not convicted yet. Um, and then the people like Ian, who's more in the press, said it's actually a freedom of the press issue to have access to mugshots so they can report on the story of the arrest. Very interesting that everyone fought me from every angle because I said, listen, if I get arrested for something and not convicted, I'm innocent, proven guilty. At least I thought I was, according to that dumb Axelman dude's book, Presumed Guilty. I thought you're presumed innocent. Um, and there are mugshots about me, with depending on the charges, if it's theft or whatever, um, or any kind of violent crime. Like That mugshot alone will get me fired, and that's just a fact, um, and it'll hurt me. Material hurt me. Um, and and how could the government punish me if I'm not convicted yet? There's an interesting issue, but but it's I think in Bell versus Person or whatever, when when they hung up posters with my face saying this guy is a suspected thief, that's effed up because I haven't been convicted. But, but, no, but, somebody, it is but if somebody's a danger to the community, that's part of the job of the police to. But they're not a danger the to the community; they're innocent. I'm innocent. It could be guilty. both. You can be innocent until proven guilty. Okay, and still be considered a danger to the community. So basically, okay, the, one of the reasons they want to arrest Trump is to get a picture, the perp walk picture, the mugshot picture. That's really- And yeah, you understand the mugshot hurts people. Because they understand know the mugshot. There's a mugshot of you. Of course. So I, I, it is kind of interesting. Right. They're not, they're not, this is not a reasonable policy thing. This is, they're abusing the system clearly, but it's it's perfectly legitimate for the, for the law enforcement authorities to warn the community that there's a dangerous individual. There's a, you know, there's a child predator here. There's a there's a potential murderer here. If that argument, that argument would not maybe. work if the guy's in jail. Then you wouldn't have that argument. Then what would be the argument to publicize it? The argument is what if what if what if so what if I saw you kill somebody else and I have a picture of you and I say I saw this guy kill him. Now you haven't been convicted, but I want I want the the you know but you're in hiding. And no, no, no. Trying to find you. No, no. If uh, if the person's already in jail, you don't have the argument of an ordinary oh. danger. I don't believe I we're talking about wanted posters. Bail before trial anyway. No, no. Wanted I posters. Not talking I about wanted you. posters. No, wanted posters. You're making a great argument. Alu is saying that they're arguing it's a free press issue, even if the guy is in jail, which is an interesting. Well, I mean, if he's in jail, then it's true. He is a danger, and. I don't it's think it's not a danger when you're in jail. You're not a danger, but he but he's he's a dangerous person, and 
And I, I think in that situation, the, the media argument is true. Is good. And what I, what I, I am arguing against wanted posters. I think if someone's charged but not yet convicted, a wanted poster should not exist unless it says clearly for the dum-dums who have not yet read presumed guilty they don't understand what charged versus convicted means or suspected or alleged or suspect. It, the posters can say wanted, not for stealing, for allegedly um, oh, uh, allegedly suspected, not. but not convicted. It should say in bold letters, not convicted, but someone's wanted for a suspected investigation of something. It has to be very clear. Otherwise, again, you have a mugshot of me and I lose my jobs and lose all all perspective. I mean, that's a disclaimer that would be ignored. I mean, who's going to read that disclaimer? I don't care. No, how I big think it's funny. Ed, you're probably old enough to remember before allegedly wasn't every other word. Before, oh, sure. When I just saw a T-shirt that said allegedly on it, I, I literally just saw it the other day. We should conclude with the two guys who escaped jail the other day. You saw this? And they were caught a couple hours later in an IHOP, which always makes you wonder how many people have ever escaped jail that weren't caught right away. <laughs> but when I was in prison, when I worked in prison, my boss said, you'd be shocked how dumb these people are. And he was right. All right. Any final words of wisdom? I'm going to find this case. Nope. It was not Bell versus Burson. Different case. We can talk about it. Send it to me. We can uh, discuss. Well, it's in my book. I just forgot it. Ooh, it's in the book. Well, they okay. just do a quick control F job. But All right, gentlemen. Have a great night, folks. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week, regular time. Please subscribe to us on any podcast app that you use. And we will be up on SoundCloud very shortly. Have a great evening.